Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, a podcast all about the North American model of conservation and your chance to dive into conversations about trends, research, and outdoor activities. It's time to get wild with the 2021 Conservation Media Award-winning host, Jason Creighton. We go hunting and it's a car-based hunt where we are usually hunting um, from a vehicle looking for moose. In past years, we have taken many hikes around different trails and just kind of move real slowly through the woods like you would still hunting for whitetails in Pennsylvania. Welcome back to the Conservation Unfiltered podcast presented by Conservative Wild. I'm your host, Jason Creighton, and this is episode number 120, Bringing the Classroom Outdoors. Now this week, I get to talk with two wonderful fellow colleagues, even if they are from the other side of the continent from me. I'm, going to, I'm talking about Jesse Bjorkman and Dylan Hooper. And I'm going to be talking about in a very unique classroom experience that they provide for their students. Jesse and Dylan are teachers in the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District in Alaska. They are both hunter information and training program volunteer instructors and have found a creative way to find careers as teachers and these volunteer opportunities. Started in 2013, they created an extended learning opportunity, the outdoor, the Alaska Outdoor Exploration. Basically, what they're doing is providing students a way to experience a long tradition in their home state, and that's hunting. During the episode, you're going to hear Jesse and Dylan explain how the idea to provide a science experience through hunting to their students, uh, what type of information is taught to the students, and the student reactions, the community support, logistics, all these kind of things that that revolve around the experience. So let's not waste any time. Let's just get into this conversation. Uh, It is... As I said, unique, but also really eye-opening to see how you can incorporate something like this. And it's awesome to hear, so let's just get right into it. Before we keep going, a real quick question for you. Are you concerned with urban sprawl? Are you concerned with the threat of our increased human presence has put on wildlife and wild spaces? If so, an easy next step for you to try to help with this situation is to visit our Patreon page and become a monthly supporter. If you like this podcast, if you would like to help form a new nonprofit that helps combat and mitigate the effects of urbanization, visit patreon.com slash conserve the wild that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash conserve the wild go visit today and become a sponsor all right everyone welcome back as you heard in the intro i have two fellow educators uh and Hunter Trapper Education Instructors on the line, uh, Jesse Bjorkman and Dylan Hooper. Uh, Guys, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome, Jason. We're glad we could join you today. 
Yeah, uh, you know, you guys are in Alaska. That is uh, quite a ways away from me in Pennsylvania. Uh, I've been to, I'm going to say been to Alaska once, uh, went on an Alaskan cruise for my honeymoon. I don't know how I convinced my wife that that was a good idea, but I'm glad I did because, uh, you know, while I couldn't experience like the interior of Alaska, just, you know, being around there, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, And I'm a little jealous that you guys are there, (laughs) that you guys are living there and and teaching there. But uh, I I digress a little bit. The whole purpose uh, of me having you on the podcast today is because of a New York Times article that I read that if anyone else is interested that's listening, uh, the link to it will be down in the episode details. Uh, And it detailed uh, sort of a, while it's not necessarily part of a, part of a class per se, uh, sort of a, a class project where a moose hunt is involved. Uh, so can you just sort of real quick tell everyone, you know, the, the 30-second elevator pitch, uh, what this moose hunt project is that, that you take students on? Well, thanks, Jason, for that opportunity. My name is Jesse Bjorkman, and we started our Alaska Outdoor Connections program in 2013 and immediately kind of included an educational moose hunt as a capstone project for a lot of the skills that students learn in our class here at Nikiski Middle High School and middle school setting. And so what the educational moose hunt does is it allows kids to use all of the skills and tools and lots of the hunter safety knowledge that they learn in our class at school and then apply them in the field. So they take a moose from field to freezer and then they are really having a great experience with their friends and some adults that they know to go get a moose and then process that and experience a hunt for themselves firsthand and get some hands-on learning beyond just book knowledge that they might learn in the hunter ed course. So, I mean, is this is this program something that is like your brainchild that you started, or is this something that has gone on for, you know, decades that it's just sort of in your charge now? Well, the cultural and educational moose hunts have been a part of our community on the central Kenai Peninsula for some time. Uh, They were originally begun by a couple of fish and game biologists, Ted Spraker and Larry Lewis, uh, 25 or 30 years ago. They've kind of gone on off and on since that period of time. But since we've made that a part of the experience for our kids that take part in our Alaska Outdoor Connections course, uh, they really have a great opportunity to have some more consistency in making sure that moose hunts are happening every year with lots of great volunteers getting involved and lots of kids taking part in that program every year. So, uh, you know, as a fellow educator, I know that whenever you have these sort of like bigger projects, right, that happen in this moment of time, everyone sort of sees that and thinks like, okay, that's what, you know, everything hinges around. Um, But there's always a lot of lead up into those big projects that you're teaching the kids certain things. uh, And then, you know, you have that moment and then, you know, you need to evaluate and you sort of, um, you know, gauge their understanding afterwards and, and maybe even teach a little bit more afterwards. So what's the process like? You know, how long are we um, incorporating things in the classroom beforehand and then afterwards? How's that all work? So it's a semester-long class that we teach. This, this is Dylan Hooper. Um, I'm one of the instructors also. Um, and it's a semester-long course that we teach on um, our Alaska Outdoor Explorations program. 
Um, and that includes the Hunter education piece, um, which is quite a bit of time in the classroom um, when we're talking about um, hunter safety, firearm safety, um, hunter ethics. And Jesse does a great job of incorporating, um, you know, what you're gonna do when you're stalking that moose, um, how you're gonna approach that moose when you're out in the field. Um, and the kids actually get to go through that with him, um, which is really awesome because they get to you know, do that in a very hands-on way. Um, and then after the shot, um, the kids get to um, talk about, you know, oh, how do we know we hit this animal? You know, um, you know, there's no blood here. What are we looking for? And we, they can see hair and bone fragments and things like that. Um, and Jesse does a great job of pointing that out to them um, in the field. So they get to see that firsthand. Because when we talk about it in the classroom, you know, some of it they get and some of it they don't. And, um, but when they actually are out in the field talking about it and seeing it, it just becomes a, um, much more real life to them. Um, so we spend, you know, months uh, doing the hunter ed piece in the classroom um, before the moose hunt. And then typically, um, a lot of times after the moose hunt, we wind up doing our hunter ed field day, which is kind of the, the capstone, the end of, of the hunter ed program um, with, with those students. Yeah, you know, one of the parts of the article, uh, they mentioned, you know, passing the, the heart around with the kids, right? And they got to sort of see it, look at it. They, the kids are um, taking part in breaking down the moose to get it out of the field. Uh, you know, so obviously they're taking part in that. I mean, what about afterwards? There's all that meat. Did the kids get to take it home? Um, did they get to take part in that butchering process of all that meat and, and things like that? Yeah, absolutely, Jason. The, the kids, we try to give them absolutely as much responsibility as they can handle for the planning and the execution of the hunt experience, really from field to freezer. So we try to have meetings with kids either as a whole group or individually before the hunt and give them job assignments and things that they can be responsible for and take ownership of when they're thinking about creating gear lists to go on the hunt or whether they're thinking about I'm going to be spotting an animal and I'm going to look to make sure that it's a legal animal. I'm going to look to make sure that it, if it's a cow, it, it doesn't have a calf at heel because under our permit, we're not allowed to take a, a cow with a calf at heel or a calf. And any other moose would have been a legal animal for us. So we talked about, you know, what, what animals would be good for us to take depending on the area and composition of the, the bull to cow ratio in that area. We, I was very clear with the kids about what I was looking for and thought we should do in the area that we were going. It was either going to be a very large bull, something over 50 inches, or it was going to be a cow. And there were rationale to do that. And certainly students, when they take ownership of a process like that, that's something that they feel really good about. And that's something that they feel responsible for. And they really want to execute their job well, whether it's spotting an animal, making sure it doesn't have a calf, making sure that they have a good range on that animal so that we know how far away it is, um, taking part in tracking the animal. Then after the shot, we get it taken out of the field. Many of the kids were able to help skin the animal and quarter it in the field, whether it's holding a leg or, or pulling back some hide or using a knife themselves to help skin. And then we let it hang for a couple of days and then we go and we cut the animal up together. And there's lots of great parent and adult volunteers that we have 
both from school, uh, parents of kids, as well as our local chapter of Safari Club International here on the Kenai Peninsula that do a great job at volunteering and giving instruction and guidance to kids as they process the moose. And so the kids are really an integral part to the whole process because it's for them. It's, it's their hunt and we try to have them take as much ownership for it as they can. So they were deboning meat. They were making sure that meat was, you know, clean of connective tissue as much as possible where, where we kind of told them it was appropriate. And um, then we made a whole bunch of steaks and burger and brats and sausage, bulk sausage and a little bit of link bratwurst. And it was a great experience. It was, it's a long day of processing and butchering for everybody, but with so many people helping out and so many people really excited to do the work, we can get a whole moose done in a day, which normally, you know, if you're, you and a buddy are going to go take care of a moose, it might take you, you know, two, three, four days because it's a lot of meat. So we had a group of about 10 kids that each got to take home, you know, 40 to 50 pounds a meat or more. And that was really great. It's great to see those kids take ownership and then they have that real tangible product that they can take home all those little white packages and share that with their family and friends it's pretty awesome yeah i know you know just for myself you know we don't have moose in pennsylvania uh but we have a lot of white-tailed deer and you know myself and and my dad if we would work together we can get a white-tailed deer completely butchered in one day uh but a moose is a whole lot bigger. So I can only imagine how long that would, that would take just the two of us, you know, like you said, a couple day process. Um, you know, with, with this being with kids, uh, this isn't going to be a backcountry hunt. Like if I would think about myself, if I'm going to pay the money to go to Alaska and try to hunt moose for myself, I'm going to want the full Alaskan experience, you know, you know, fly in, backpack, maybe raft out, you know, some different things like that. Um, you know, with 10 or 15 kids, that I, I can't imagine that's something that's feasible. Uh, so, you know, how, how exactly does this hunt itself work? Well, the day of the hunt, we would meet up with everybody after, you know, we've kind of done a good job making sure that Parents have been very clearly communicated about expectations for the day and kind of the schedules and timelines and what kind of gear students need to bring. Uh, of course, Jason, as you know, as a, an educator, that type of front end communication is very important. So we try to make sure that that communication is as clear as possible and answer any questions that folks might have. Uh, but the hunt itself, we meet up in the morning at a central location and we have really a safety meeting and an informational meeting about what it is that we're, we're gonna do for the day and make sure kids are clear about their, their jobs and their role and what is going to happen on the hunt. And then we go hunting and it's a car-based hunt where we are usually hunting um, from a vehicle looking for moose. In past years, we have taken many hikes around different trails and just kind of move real slowly through the woods like you would still still hunting for whitetails in Pennsylvania. Um, we've done some drives uh, or pushes through some sections of cover for moose and those have been very productive and very exciting for kids in past years. We didn't do any drives uh, this year, but it's just kind of another tactic that we can show kids that they can do to be productive in hunting. So that's that's really cool and it's a neat experience. But 
really, Jason, when we're talking about the education of Musa, we try to stress all the time that safety is our first priority. So we're obviously focusing on firearm safety, but also just general awareness of outdoor safety and how to dress for cold weather, how to make sure that you're taking care of the people in your group so that they're going to be safe and comfortable as well. And so we make sure that kids have good gear and good gear lists, including food and, and water to bring, and they know how to make a fire, which is something that we talk about in our Alaska Outdoor Explorations class, and along with many other skills that they get to use while on the hunt, things like tying knots and, and all kinds of stuff that are they're able to put to good use in this process. But the bottom line is safety is first, and we try to make sure that students recognize that and do what they need to do to be safe and comfortable. It, you know, I'm, I'm really, I knew I was going to hear that, right? That safety is first, um, that it's gone over many, many times, you know, reiterated, uh, you know, because with it, with you being a teacher and just the fact that there's going to be kids around, like that has to be the focus. Uh, but as someone who works with teenagers, uh, I'm very aware that a lot of these kids don't necessarily seem to be aware of their surroundings at all times, right? So, um, you know, making sure that you let them know, like, you have to, you have to watch where you're walking, right? Like, if you're just randomly walking, you're going to turn an ankle at the, you know, very least, right? Or you're going to walk into a branch or something, right? Like, you need to be aware of your surroundings. Uh, so that's always uh, a great thing to focus on that sort of uh, safety aspect for these kids. You mentioned the permit. Is this, uh, you know, is this like your personal permit for the moose or is this an additional permit that's sort of based for this class and, and, or for this, this project? That's a great question. So the Alaska Department of Fish and Game issues cultural and educational permits uh, throughout the state based on programs that are able to support the mission of a cultural or educational harvest. And what that means is we have a group of kids that are becoming initiated and educated into hunting and being taught about the essential fact that hunting is a very big part of conservation here in Alaska. And we're bringing that to them, but also we're kind of bringing a, a strong connection between people in the land when we're hunting, right? And people being able to go out and gather wild foods is a big part of the Alaskan culture as it is so much of rural culture across our country. And it's really something that we get a lot of support for here from other students who, who might not participate in the class or the educational moose hunt as well as parents and, and the community. Uh, the educational moose hunt is very popular and uh, Fish and Game is happy to support our local chapter of Safari Club International, as well as our kids from school and participating in that program. I have to circle back to the jobs given to the kids. Um, first, my, I have two questions. Uh, the first one is, do kids fight over what their jobs are, right? Because not everyone can, can have the same job. Uh, and then second is, what's it like whenever you have, you know, these kids and we're looking for a moose and someone spots a moose? Like, I'm, I feel like they would get very competitive in trying to be the first one to spot the moose and then very excited uh, once they do spot that moose. 
you know, one of the neat things about the moose hunt, Jason, or, or just getting kids out in the field in groups is they turn into much more mature and responsible human beings than they might be in a regular classroom setting. And you've probably seen that for yourself if you're coaching any extracurricular activities or doing anything like that, is those 12, 13, 14-year-old kids, they turn into some very responsible human beings that are very surprisingly rational and very good at what we've asked them to do because they take a very strong pride and ownership in what they're doing. So oftentimes, you know, we've been able to work with kids throughout the year of moving quietly through the woods when we're walking on trails, maybe, or kind of stressing the importance of this is what it looks like when you're, you're coming up on an animal. And we can, we can supplement that a little bit as far as exemplifying that for kids by how we're acting while we're on the hunt, but also, you know, we might show a hunting program or something in class to talk about, you know, if we see someone on TV or, that, or show that they've produced really execute a really great stock, we might show that to them. And, and we certainly have in the past about what successful stocks look like and, and how kids can be successful at getting close to animals. So the kids aren't necessarily competitive about what it is that they're doing but they do take a pride and ownership of, hey, I have these binoculars, I'm looking, I'm doing my job. And if I've, if I've already done my job, let's say I've spotted the moose, I'm gonna help the other people do their job in looking to make sure that that cow is a lone cow and there's not a calf there. They're gonna help out their classmates in executing what we all have to do together so that we have this like shared corporate responsibility. And that's good. That's good. You know, toward the end of the hunt, there, there might be some competition about who gets to keep a, a moose hoof or kind of who gets to cut up what piece of meat or, you know, hold the heart first. But as far as competition about the whole hunt process, Dylan and I try to do a great job of communicating that all of us have to work together. One of the nice things about having a moose tag that's kind of separate from the regular moose season is we're able to stock up on moose that aren't used to being pressured with a pretty large group of people. Moose are definitely not whitetails. They're not spooky like whitetails. So you can pretend to be a moose and get pretty close and that's nice. And so that's allowed us to really stock in very close to moose with a group of almost 20 people sometimes. And so that's, that's pretty fun. And it's great that so many people are able to take part in that experience through that process and it, it's worked out very well for us in trying to initiate a group of 10 or 12 kids into a hunting culture in a very hands-on way. Uh, do you find, you know, you, you've been doing this for almost 10 years now. Uh, mm -hmm. do, you, do you find that the majority of the kids that participate in this moose hunt go on to continue hunting? Many of them do. Yeah, many of them do. It's hard to tell, we certainly don't survey kids when they leave um, and it's hard to keep in touch with everybody, but we know that many of them do. And if they don't, if they don't continue hunting for themselves, the experience that the kids have had where they've been on a hunt and they've seen people that they trust and respect train them in, hunt, in a hunting process from field to freezer, they have the confidence where that's something that they could easily access from their own knowledge bank and, and really execute again with just a little bit of review. So that's something that we're proud of and that we feel really good about is 
if those kids don't go on to hunt for themselves, they have a clear understanding of what the value of hunting is as a part of conservation. And they certainly aren't going to go on to be anti-hunters because of the experience that they've had with us. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, you're you're developing allies, you know, for the, for the hunting community um, that understand the process and everything that goes into it, uh, you know, and the that it's not just, you know, some a fun activity to do while hunting, you know, for me is fun. Um, it's not fun in the aspect of I just get to go kill something uh, that, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, I, I have to think about this in, in, in terms of where I live, uh, friends and where they live, uh, and, and sort of this juxtaposition between, you know, some public schools in the lower 48 and then, you know, schools in Alaska. Uh, Dylan, you know, what, what's the perception of, of this program by students and community members? Is it, I'm assuming that there's general support, otherwise you wouldn't be able to do this, uh, but. Yeah, I, Jason, there's absolutely um, general support and, and it really it's, the program's really beloved by the community. Um, kids wanna be a part of it. Um, yeah, we can get to do all kinds of awesome things with kids and, and the parents really see the value of those real life experiences. Um, just last week, I had a group of sixth graders in a, it's right now I have a quarter long version with sixth graders. And um, I had a, a snowmobile safety instructor come in and he did snow machine safety and avalanche awareness. And we, he had buried a dummy um, in a snow, snow bank outside and the kids were using avalanche transceivers to locate the buried, the buried dummy. And we're able to successfully extract um, the, the avalanche victim, you know, so just, I mean, amazing hands-on experiences that we're able to provide, um, that a lot of kids would never, never be able to go have those experiences and know that that's a thing that people do. Well, I mean, and hopefully they never act, you know, go through that experience, but that's still a, a real world possibility. Um, so it's not just something that they may never use. I mean, you hope they would never use it, but the, like there's, you know, there are people that have to be aware of how to use snow machines in Alaska. And, and we have uh, a big part of our community does go up snow machining in the mountains um, where avalanches are a very real threat. Um, so knowing about the equipment that you should have in, the, in those areas um, is a really important thing, even if the kids aren't going to have that equipment now, but they being aware that, hey, before I go snow machining in, in those mountains, I need to make sure that I and the people that I'm with have this equipment and know how to use it um, so that we can recreate safely in those environments. Yeah, I can't help but, but think that, you know, one, if you want to uh, get community members behind a program uh, where a moose hunt is involved, giving them moose meat to take home to their families is probably a, a good way of, as Steve Ranella puts it, venison diplomacy <laughs> to, to make sure everyone's on board with that. Uh, you, I, we're running up sort of towards the end here. So uh, I want to end it with sort of an interesting story or something that uh, maybe made you feel like this, you know, this whole project was well done and, and you feel good about it. Uh, could either of you share a, a story um, that, uh, maybe a little funny moment or an aha moment that a student had or, or something like that involving this moose hunt. 
Well, I think the moose hunt is just such a great experience for so many kids that they're able to get outside and enjoy the world around them with their friends and experience something that we really have trained them for in the classroom. And, and then they get to do that in the field. It's, it's just an incredible thing that we're able to share with kids and students just have such a great time at seeing a moose live on the hoof. And then they kind of go through this emotional experience of this moose was alive and now it is dead and we are going to eat it. And that really is kind of a, a big thing. And, and sometimes students definitely have that, that kind of big emotional moment, not necessarily that they're crying, certainly. We've never had a kid cry, but they definitely realize, wow, this moose went from being alive and they kind of have this spiritual connection with it as they touch it and they are putting hands on this very large animal. And now all of a sudden it, it goes in game bags and sleds. And then just a couple of days later is in one or two pound packages and is going in their freezer. That's really a cool experience for those kids to have. And the smiles and the pride that they take back and they share with us at school when they're telling us about the great moose spaghetti or the moose burgers that they had or the bratwurst or all the things that they got to help make. And now they're eating and sharing that with their family and friends is really cool. Some of the greatest memories that I have of our, our class in general are sharing kind of one-on-one -on -one moments where you get to see kids take ownership of a skill that they have developed and learned. One of the great things that we do in our course is we teach kids uh, the National Archeries in the Schools program and kids learn how to shoot a bow and arrow and they're able to really close that performance achievement gap pretty quickly because of the training that they get and they go from never having shot a bow and arrow before to all of a sudden being rather proficient and being accurate with that equipment is, is very cool to watch. I had a great opportunity a few years back. We had a small class and kids were into anything and everything that we could possibly do outdoors. And they decided that they wanted to do quite a bit of trapping and got to have kids get out and set some underwater traps for muskrats and beaver and otter. We just had such a great year and a great experience with that group of kids. Students were making sets for rats with some 110s and we hung some snares for beavers and, and we were successful. And the joy that those kids got and the looks on their face when they had a muskrat in their trap or a beaver in their snare was absolutely incredible. They had set those traps and they pulled them up out of the ice. And when they had something, it was, it was literally the best thing ever. Uh, it was dropping a student off after that experience. And she kind of like had the twinkly eyes that sometimes kids will get when they're about to say something big and she turned to me and said, Mr. Bjorkman, this is the most fun that I've had since my dad died. And that was pretty powerful. That was pretty powerful to like share that experience with her and be like, just have that be able to be part of her life. That was pretty tough in a lot of other ways, but we got to have a lot of good, a lot of good times in this course. And so many times, whether Dylan is, is training kids on rock climbing gear or water safety or avalanche danger or whatever, we're able to build a lot of relationships with kids that we would not be able to do in a regular classroom setting. And that's the most important part of our entire program is those relationships with kids and then extending those into a relationship 
with the outdoors that really, I, I don't think you could duplicate it in a way that wasn't as hands-on as we can be. Uh, and it's not just so tactile that, hey, we're going to go and do these really genuine activities that are going to result in us having an amazing experience as well as some really great food afterward. Yeah, being able to connect with kids, you know, outside of the classroom like that is um, definitely one of the best parts of teaching for me, you know, making those connections and and helping them um, discover, you know, new skills and, and new uh, desires and, and interests and things like that. It, it's, it's very fulfilling. It, it's humbling as well. So, uh, th this is a great program. Uh, this is awesome. I, I'm jealous that I didn't get to go through a program like that whenever I was, whenever I was a kid. Uh, I'm actually thinking now, like I would, I, I sort of feel like I want to zoom into your classes and, and see what you guys are teaching these kids. But um, the Jesse Dillon, thank, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, good luck the rest of the school year and uh, keep up the good work. Influence those kids. Thanks for having us, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Have a good day. And once again, that will do it for today's episode. I want to thank Jesse. I want to thank Dylan for coming on. I really appreciate uh, the conversation that we had. I want to thank you for listening. Going back to that conversation, you know, coming from the perspective of a more urban or suburban environment, me personally, it's suburban, coming from uh, the East Coast perspective, coming from, you know, the, the Pennsylvania perspective, the idea to provide an experience like this for students is very, very foreign to me. But when you hear them explain it, you understand the necessity for it. You understand why not just the students, but also the parents and the community are behind this voluntary experience for that, for the, the kids that are in the, the building with them. It makes sense. You know, the, I always like to talk about how hunting is a tradition in my family, but for people in Alaska, it's more than just a tradition. For a lot of them, it is also survival uh, and being able to sustain themselves uh, year in and year out. So, you know, to be able to see uh, that there are people out there uh, providing these and, and finding creative ways to promote hunting, to promote conservation, I think that's a great thing. And it's absolutely awesome to get this sort of firsthand exposure uh, for these students. You know, like I said, this is uh, the sort of most immersive aspect that you can go with. And I think it's awesome. And I hope that this kind of thing catches on more and more. We have ideas in the classroom, you know, that we can incorporate for these, for youth, you know, with NASP and with rifle teams and all kinds of different aspects to get them outdoors, get them interested in the outdoor lifestyle. And, you know, this is, you know, that next step, that little bit extra. And I absolutely love to see two fellow educators, two fellow uh, hunter ed instructors really, you know, get into this and really, you know, showcase what the outdoors has to offer to our youth. If you are interested in becoming a hunter education instructor, whatever state you are in, I have linked to a website that will help to provide that. 
Information from the International Hunter Education Association of the United States website is in the episode notes, so please go ahead and click on that. It's not hard to become an instructor, and we need more. You'll hear in a later episode that I'm currently in production with why that need is so great. But trust me, we need more people to volunteer their time. So please figure out what kind of qualifications you need in your state, what you need to do to become a volunteer, and start volunteering. Next week, another good episode. I don't want to spoil it, though, but it does have something to do with Arbor Day. But until then, get outside, take someone with you, and as always, stay wild.